Welcome to The Kinked Wire, the interventional radiology podcast from SIR Publications. You can learn more on our website, sirweb.org slash kinkedwire. This episode provides audio abstracts of papers published in the October 2023 issue of SIR's Journal of Vascular and Interventional Radiology. You can find the full papers on jvir.org. My name is Ramel Noche, and I'm your host for this episode. Hello, my name is Anna Hu, and I'm a third-year medical student at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences. I will be reading the abstract titled, Research Consensus Panel Follow-Up, Eight-Year Update on Submassive Pulmonary Embolism by Sista and colleagues. The 2015 Research Consensus Panel on Submassive Pulmonary Embolism set priorities for research in submassive pulmonary embolism and identified a rigorous randomized trial of catheter-directed therapy plus anticoagulation versus anticoagulation alone as the highest research priority. This update, written eight years after the Research Consensus Panel was convened, describes the current state of endovascular pulmonary embolism practice in the pulmonary embolism thrombus removal with catheter-directed therapy trial. The main output from the research consensus panel. Hello, my name is Melissa Millette, and I am a fourth-year medical student at St. George's University. I will be reading the abstract titled, Intravascular Ultrasound Guidance for Transjugular Intrahepatic Portosystemic Shunt Creation Reduces Laboratory Markers of Acute Liver Injury, by Gupta and colleagues. Purpose to compare the laboratory markers of acute liver injury after transjugular intrahepatic portosystemic shunt or TIPS creation performed using intravascular ultrasound or IVIS guidance with those using other techniques. Materials and methods. This single center retrospective study examined 293 TIPS procedures performed between 2014 and 2022. Laboratory changes on post-procedural day one were classified based on common terminology criteria for adverse events, or CTCAE grades, and were compared between IVIS and non-IVIS cases. Results. IVIS cases had a lower baseline model for end-stage liver disease, or MELD score, higher pre- and post-tips pressure gradient, smaller stent diameter, and fewer needle passes. IVIS predicted a lower post-procedural day 1 CT-CAE grade for aspartate transaminase and bilirubin. Findings were confirmed using multivariable regression and propensity score analysis. IVIS predicted fewer adverse events and an increased likelihood of post-procedure day 1 discharge. IVIS was not associated with differences in post-procedure day 30 MELD scores or 30-day survival. However, higher post-procedural day 1 alanine transaminase and bilirubin levels predicted a larger post-procedural day 30 MELD score increase. Higher increases in alanine transaminase level predicted worse 30-day survival. Conclusions IVIS resulted in less laboratory evidence of acute liver injury immediately following TIPS creation. Hello, my name is Brian H. Ng, and I am a fourth-year medical student at St. Louis University School of Medicine. I will be reading the abstract titled, A Review of Materials and Medications with Religious or Dietary Significance in the Interventional Radiology Suite by Wilson and colleagues. A holistic approach to patient-centered care should include cultural and religious considerations. 
Certain cultural groups have beliefs that may restrict the use of particular animal-derived products and chemicals. A working knowledge of ingredients commonly used in the interventional suite with religious and cultural connotations may be helpful. This review article highlights medications and medical devices with cultural or religiously sensitive ingredients used in interventional radiology departments and provides a framework for addressing this common scenario. Hello, my name is Andrew Branzer, and I'm a second-year medical student at the Frank H. Netter, MD, School of Medicine at Quinnipiac University. I will be reading the abstract titled, Outcomes After Genicular Artery Embolization Vary According to the Radiographic Severity of Osteoarthritis, Results from a Prospective Single-Center Study, by Gill and colleagues. This prospective single-center study compared outcomes after genicular artery embolization in people with mild radiographic knee osteoarthritis, or OA, versus moderate to severe radiographic knee OA. The mild OA group was older and had experienced symptoms for less time, with a p-value of less than 0.05. All participants underwent complete embolization of neovessels from genicular arteries. The primary outcome was the proportion of responders at six months according to predetermined improvements in pain, function, and or global change. Results indicated that a higher proportion of participants with mild OA, specifically 81.8%, fulfilled responder criteria after treatment compared with people with moderate to severe OA, specifically 36.4%. Secondary outcomes for pain, quality of life, and global change were also better in the mild OA group all with a p-value of less than 0.05. No serious adverse events occurred, including the absence of osteonecrosis on MRI. The study demonstrated that outcomes after genicular artery embolization varied according to the severity of baseline radiographic OA. Hello, my name is Kaushik Gokul, and I am a third-year medical student at St. Louis University School of Medicine. I will be reading the abstract titled Effectiveness of Geniculate Artery Embolization for Chronic Pain After Total Knee Replacement, a pilot study by Chow and colleagues. Purpose, to evaluate the efficacy and safety of embolization of hyperemic synovial tissue for the treatment of persistent pain after total knee arthroplasty. Materials and Methods. 12 patients with persistent pain after total knee arthroplasty were enrolled in this prospective single-center pilot study. Genicular artery embolization was performed using 75 micrometer spherical particles. The patients were assessed using a 100-point visual analog scale, or VAS, and knee injury and osteoarthritis outcome score, or COOS, at baseline and three and six months thereafter. Adverse events were recorded at all time points. Results. A mean of 1.8 plus or minus 0.8 abnormal hyperemic genicular arteries were identified and embolized with a median volume of diluted embolic material of 4.3 milliliters in all 12 or 100% of patients. The mean VAS score on walking improved from 73 plus or minus 16 at baseline to 38 plus or minus 35 at the six-month follow-up with P less than 0.05. The mean COOS pain score improved from 43.6 plus or minus 15.5 at baseline to 64.6 plus or minus 27.1 at the six-month follow-up with P less than 0.05. At the six-month follow-up, 55% and 73% of the patients attained a minimal clinically important change in pain and quality of life, respectively.
Self-limited skin discoloration occurred in 5 or 42% of patients. The VAST score increased by more than 20 immediately after embolization in 4 or 30% of patients who required analgesic treatment for one week. Conclusions. Genicular artery embolization is a safe method of treating persistent pain after total knee arthroplasty that demonstrates potential efficacy at 12 months. Hello, my name is Alina Khalil, and I am a second-year medical student at Nova Southeastern University, Dr. Kiran Patel College of Osteopathic Medicine. I will be reading the abstract titled, Evaluation of an Artificial Intelligence Chatbot for Delivery of IR Patient Education Material, a Comparison with Societal Website Content, by McCarthy and colleagues. Purpose To assess the accuracy, completeness, and readability of patient educational material, produced by a machine learning model and compare the output of that provided by a societal website. Materials and methods. Content from the Society of Interventional Radiology Patient Center website was retrieved, categorized, and organized into discrete questions. These questions were entered into the ChatGPT platform, and the output was analyzed for word and sentence counts, readability using multiple validated scales, factual correctness, and suitability for patient education using the patient education materials assessment tool for printable materials instrument. Results. A total of 21,154 words were analyzed, including 7,917 words from the website and 13,377 words representing the total output of the ChatGPT platform across 22 text passages. Compared to the societal website, output from the ChatGPT platform was longer and more difficult to read on four of five readability scales. The ChatGPT output was incorrect for 12 or 11.5% of 104 questions. When reviewed, using the patient education materials assessment tool for printable materials tool, the ChatGPT content scored lower than the website material. Content from both the website and ChatGPT were significantly above the recommended 5th or 6th grade level for patient education, with a mean slash Kincaid grade level of 11.1 for the website and 11.9 for the ChatGPT content. Conclusions The ChatGPT platform may produce incomplete or inaccurate patient educational content, and providers should be familiar with the limitations of the system in its current form. Opportunities may exist to fine-tune existing large language models, which could be optimized for the delivery of patient educational content. Hello, my name is Tahi Komenani, and I'm a recent graduate of the American University of Antigua College of Medicine and a practicing attorney at law. I will be reading the abstract titled Superior Hypogastric Nerve Blockade for Uterine Artery Embolization, a Systematic Review by Musa and colleagues. Superior hypogastric nerve block, or SHNB, has potential to reduce pain following uterine artery embolization, or UAE. However, existing studies are limited by design, sample size, or conflicting results. A systematic review of the literature was performed. Outcomes included technical success, time to complete SHNB, time under fluoroscopy, procedure time, time to recovery, needle repositioning, same-day discharge, readmission, pain, analgesic consumption, and adverse events. Of 15 included studies, 
the same-day discharge rate was 98.8% and readmission rate was 6.9%. The mean pain score was 3.4 in patients who received SHNB compared to 4.3 among controls. Of patients who received SHNB, 46.7 did not require further pain medication. Major adverse events occurred in 0.4% of patients. Early clinical studies suggest that SHNB appears to reduce pain and analgesic consumption in patients undergoing UAE. Additional randomized trials are needed to confirm these findings. We'd like to thank everyone who helped with this episode. My name is Manbir Singh Sandhu, and I'm a second year medical student at the University of California Riverside School of Medicine, and I was your audio editor. The research from this episode appears in the October 2023 issue of JVIR, and you can visit jvir.org for the full papers, other audio content, and much more.